All right, welcome to the Redeem the Dream podcast, episode five. Today, we're going to talk about creating a positive and encouraging team culture among uh, teenage boys. And our special guest today is Coach Andrew Grants of Fort Myers High School um, down in Florida. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing good, doing good. Good to talk to you. Sweet, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, man, we coached together. I coached under you for four years at Providence High School in Clarksville, Indiana, which uh, was predominantly all white and wealthy. <laughs> w squared. <laughs> and you found a way to win there. And then you were winning down in Fort Myers as well. So I think you're a perfect person to talk to about this issue. Um, so I think maybe we can start talking about both contexts first. The context where more kids have more in common, like in Providence, everybody's kind of coming from the same context, the same resources, the same, you know, most of them are, you know, Caucasian. Yeah. And um, and their why might not be trying to get off the street and, and just survive. Their why might be something different. So um, how were you able to create a winning culture at Providence with, with kids that really already had everything as far as their monetary um, kind of supply? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, you know, that was, it was a little bit of a challenge my first year, you know, I, I was in college, I came from college, and, you know, one of the, the most uh, rewarding things that I did when coaching in college is I had a young man um, that I was coaching that he never graduated high school, he dropped out at 16, he's from New York City, um, and just one day he was playing on the park, and a JUCO coach saw him, and he ended up going to uh, play junior college basketball, got his GED, uh, and then it led him out to Kansas at Pitt State, where I was coaching out there, uh, and, and I kind of uh, was able to help him, um, you know, and kind of took him under my wing a little bit as far as helping him with passing some classes and doing that. And it was great. He, uh, he called me after I'd left there and, you know, he ended up getting his degree and everything. So there's a, there was a kid, um, that didn't, that dropped out of high school at 16 and, you know, by the grace of God and somebody finding him and also using basketball as an avenue was able to get his college degree. Uh, and do that. So that's kind of what I was used to. And then when I came to a place like Providence, which is where I went to school, uh, so I knew the culture there and everything already. Um, but I tried to motivate those kids uh, the same way that I did that college player. Um, and it doesn't, it didn't uh, work that way. Um, being like, hey, this is what you can accomplish. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people telling you, you can't do this, you know, and, and using that type of language with them it didn't work that way with Providence kids. What, I've, what I learned there um, was that you kind of had to create a, a sense of urgency there. Uh, you you kind of had to create a, um, you know, get that, that chip on their shoulder, fi figure out what that chip was because they didn't walk around with that chip on their shoulder. Like, I have something to prove. Um, a lot of them did, and they work hard and, and nothing against that. You know, that's, that's great. They have a lot of great opportunities um, there. Uh, but as far as basketball goes – um, it was kind of just, you know, they could get the training whenever they needed the training. They can get the extra work whenever they needed the extra work. Um, you know, they could, they could, they had those resources available. So what I try to do was create kind of a little bit more of an atmosphere of like, uh, you've got to earn it and you've got to, you've got to go make something happen. We've got to create that chip on your shoulder and, and make it hard for you um, during practice or make it hard for you during the off season in the weight room, whatever it is. Um, you know, and really challenge you uh, to have to fight for yourself. Um, and that that was successful there uh, at that school. You know, we were able to accomplish a lot of good things and, and motivate 
kid, a lot of kids that way. That's awesome, man. Did you um, parenting issues? Did you have any uh, issues with the parents there at Providence in terms of them giving you a hard time because their kid wasn't playing and they were paying X amount of dollars just for them to be in school there and just that whole entitlement? Uh, it's funny how entitlement can go both ways. If you're rich, you know, you feel like you're owed everything. And then if you're poor, a lot of the kids are used to getting free lunch, free this, free that, and they feel like it's owed to them. So entitlement yeah. can go both ways. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. I don't want to comment on it too much because I know a lot of them. <laughs> That's where I went to school, um, you know, and, that, you know, and, and uh, you know, I still got cousins and stuff there and family there. So I don't I don't want to say too much. Um, but, yeah, you get that anywhere. You know, I mean, there, there's uh, maybe not so much the, you know, entitlement that it's a private school and you're paying money to go there. So if I'm paying money, I should get this, this and this. Um, but, you know, even at public schools, you know, you, you get that, too, that, you know, the. Uh, um, but that's just our culture, you know, that's our culture nowadays. And, and I think coaches, uh, you know, a lot of the high school coaches that I talked to and, um, you know, it, and even it's starting to even at a little bit at the college level, uh, from some people that I've talked to at the college level that, uh, you know, the parent involvement is there a little bit, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's just part of it. And, and actually I'm very fortunate here at Fort Myers. Uh, we have a really good group, uh, right now. So it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's been, uh, pretty enjoyable here, uh, you know, at Fort Myers, and, and the parents have been super supportive, so that's been great. That's awesome, man. You know, I was there at Providence for four years with you, and I remember that first year. I mean, what did we win? Like nine games, maybe seven games? Yeah, yeah, was yeah, it nine? nine and twelve? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then we went from from that to to winning regionals the next year, which is basically winning mm -hmm. the conference and going on to um, basically the, the state semifinal game. Um, with the same group of kids um, from yeah. one year to the next, do you, do you feel like what do you think the difference was in terms of their development? Was it just they got older? Do you think that the culture shifted a little bit or yeah. um, their mindset shifted a little bit? Were you able to kind of um, project some confidence in them or, or how, how do you explain that development? Because there was a, there's a huge improvement there from one year to yeah. the next in terms of the results. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, definitely, you know, the physical maturity, uh, had a lot to do with it, with, you know, with them. But I think the um, the biggest thing was, you know, like I said, my first year I went in there and it was more like, you know, okay, I am gonna pump you up and I know that you all can accomplish all these all these great things and and I'm gonna tell you all the time how great you are and and I and I want to be encouraging and and I like being that way, you know, that's more of my personality. I want to encourage and. Um, kind of you know do that and it changed I remember in a in a we went to a summer tournament and uh, and I was like okay I'm gonna stop telling them all the time all the good things they're doing and I'm gonna start demanding that the, the mistakes that they're making are corrected and they're corrected immediately uh, and just I'm gonna start holding them accountable and I'm gonna focus on the accountability more so than the encouragement uh, that was the, that was the big difference uh, that was kind of the change was that focusing on the accountability um, and that fit and that's what I was talking about creating that chip and understanding yeah basically changing figuring out what their why was yeah 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 exactly because exactly. everybody's yeah, why is different yeah yeah and and, and uh, so that that change that was the major shift I think in my philosophy and and uh, handling um, you know that that type of kit yeah, because, I mean, and a lot of it just kind of depends on just 
how great of or how good of a leader a certain kid was. I think of like Justin Betts, for example. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a special yeah. kid that kind of led from ever since he was in, in eighth grade. I was right. talking to Coach right. Dave over lunch a couple of days ago, and he said, man, when he was an, a freshman, he was, he was leading Providence Varsity just by the way yeah. he was pounding the ball and telling people where to go and just kind of having that, that personality. You think just having the right yeah. group just kind of made, made all the difference too? Yeah. Or? Having the right group, yeah. I mean, I'll say this all the time: great players make great coaches. You know, it's I've always I believe that great players make great coaches. Um, you know, Phil Phil Jackson, who's you know the greatest NBA coach of all time, he also coached Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. You know, so you know if he doesn't have Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, you probably look at him and go, oh, he's just he's a good NBA coach. You know, so great great players make great coaches. But I'll say something to Justin though, being a leader, and this is kind of what had changed was Justin's sophomore year, we were more, you know, hey, you need to, uh, and this is kind of motivating. This is how we would motivate the kids differently from his sophomore year, which was my first year, to his uh, junior year, my second year, when we started winning a lot more games. My first year, it was more, hey, Justin, you're a really good leader. Uh, you need to, and he'll, he would tell you the same story uh, when this kind of flipped. Hey, Justin, you're a really good leader. Hey, you need to, you know, keep it up. You're doing a great job. You're a really good leader. Uh, and it's like we were trying to pull it out of them all the time and we couldn't get it out of them. I remember our second year, we were going into a game against Floyd Central, who was our bit, one of our big rivals. And there, during that week, at the beginning of the week, I remember I couldn't get Justin to – I mean, I really want him to lead. He was a leader, but I wanted him to, like, go another level, like the accountability. I wanted him to really start holding his teammates accountable. And uh, so we did, a, we did a thing. We did a practice. Um, and we told the team that every time that someone makes a mistake, that Justin is going to run. No one else has to run, but just Justin. And he was getting so mad and frustrated, and the players started feeling bad for him because they knew that their mistakes were causing him to have to run. I mean, just killed him throughout practice. But what it did is, one, it brought the team together. It made them realize how – one player's mistake can affect a teammate or can affect the whole team. And then the other thing it did is it kind of got under Justin's skin of like, okay, if I'm going to lead, I'm going to hold you accountable and I'm going to make sure that you're doing everything right. That's my job as a leader because he was hard on himself. He was going to make sure he was doing everything right. But he, he didn't know how to do that. Yet. He knew how to be positive with the guys and he knew how to pump them up and do other things. He didn't know how to hold them accountable and like make sure that they were like really focused in all the time. And I remember that practice. It just seemed like the team changed after that practice. Like we just really came together. And Justin really like got a hold of the team. It was like, all right, I'm I'm not just gonna like pump these guys up, but I'm also gonna push them down. Like I'm gonna push them to have to fight through it a little bit more than what they normally are used to. And then and then our team just kind of took off from. So his leadership really made most of the difference, right? I, I just just being there, without Justin, I couldn't imagine the success that we had at Providence. Yeah, he was he was a, he was a, a very uh, very big part of it, um, you know. And and the and the great thing was is that he just he had a lot of really special guys around him too, you know. A guy, Alex Judd was you know one of the toughest players I've ever coached, and you know Sam Conrad, you know I was t- talk about him all the time. You know he's one of those guys that make a mistake but you knew if he did he's gonna get the ball right back you know so i mean it, i was I, I can't i think about that group all the time i mean that, that was my first group i was with that was a special group of kids um you know I, I still when i think about them get emotional um you know and and it was just it was a really really cool group to be with 
um, but but yeah, we we did, and there was a lot of days where um, I was very very hard on them, and I really pushed them um, kind of beyond their comfort zone. Um, but that's you know, and that's kind of what we had to create with them. It was weird. It was like we couldn't we couldn't tell them. I mean, we told the kids this afterwards. We couldn't tell them what to do, or we couldn't tell them what they did well because they would relax a little bit because coming coming from their environment, um, you know, they just they got that a lot. So we couldn't tell them what they did well, or they would relax a little bit. We were playing in our uh, regional championship game, and I remember we were up. I don't know if you remember, we were up 16-0 at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, dude, and we're killing. Yeah, we get up 6-0, the other team calls a timeout, and I remember Coach Rob's like, you better tell them something that they're not doing right, because if you tell them good job, they'll relax. And so, I, you know, we're like, all right, well, you're not, you know, not moving the ball well enough on offense or whatever it was. And then we come out, and then we're up like 10-0, and they call a timeout again, the other team. And, and uh, Coach Rob's like, man, you better come up with something else that they're not doing well, because we can't let our guys relax. So... We come off. I'm like, you know, maybe our, you know, we're not rebounding well enough. I, what, I mean, we're up 10-0. You know, I mean, we're doing everything right. Then we go up 16-0 at the end of the first quarter. I remember Rob's coming. He got, Coach Rob comes over to me. He's like, dude, I don't know what you can tell them, but you better just make something up that they're not doing well right now. And so we did. We were like, we were telling them like they're playing bad defense. They held a team scoreless. For <laughs> we're just telling them they played bad defense just to keep them focused in. Uh, you know, but we end up winning the game and they stayed focused in, but that's kind of how we had to be, uh, uh, with that group, you know, just to keep them locked in. And, but I'll tell you what, man, they responded to it and, uh, we built a, a really unique, uh, bond, uh, you know, with that, with that group that, you know, it'll last forever. For sure. For sure. So if you were to come up with maybe one to three keys of, uh, you know, developing that, that culture that we had for that group. Yeah. What what would those keys be? Because they might be different than what you're doing uh, at Fort Myers right now. So let's just uh, kind of wrap up with Providence there in regards to yeah, yeah. what do you think yeah, accomplished that? Um, the number one key, the thing that's going to be the same with both is, is uh, but you've got you've to know your players and you've got to know kind of what makes them tick, what's, which buttons to push and, and, and those type of things. You've got to know that with your players. Uh, I would say with the with that group it you know the key for us was more to uh build that that sense of you know i've got something to prove build that sense of making them uncomfortable that was the thing we always talked about you got to be uncomfortable you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable it was always making them uncomfortable because i listen i grew up in that you know i i went like i said i went to providence you know i knew that i knew that going to providence that you know i was going to have lunch every day i knew that i was going to have the books that i needed um, that my uniform, you know, that I needed to wear to school, I knew that that um, was going to be provided for me and being taken care of. Um, so knowing all that stuff, life gets very comfortable. So we had to create a sense of them being uncomfortable uh, to get them out of that comfort zone for them to achieve, you know, new levels of success that maybe they they weren't didn't weren't able to uh, not weren't able to, but weren't aware that they could even reach. Okay, cool. So with them was finding a way to make them uncomfortable or being comfortable being uncomfortable and yeah. just redefining their why because their why wasn't I need to find a place to eat or place to sleep or I need to find a way to pay for my college because that was going to be taken care of no matter what so their why just had to be different yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah figuring and, figuring out which buttons to push yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah um, 
My good friend Ruthie Bolton says, if you yeah. find, if you lose your way, if you lose your why, you lose your way, and that's something that kind of stuck mm-hmm. with me. And that's, uh, I guess, that's true in in every context. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, especially with that group, uh, we had to kind of redefine uh, w- what drives them and push those buttons um, to mm-hmm. to keep them motivated and keep them driven. What do you think? Um, in your new context at Fort Myers, you were saying that you have just a mixed bag of kids. Some kids come from, you know, they're well off, their socioeconomic situation is great, and others are not great at all, and they come from completely different backgrounds, racially, yeah. socioeconomic, all kinds of different backgrounds, and you, you bring them together, yeah. and now they have to become a team. That, that's, that's, that's a tough yeah. challenge to kind of just really establish a culture among people that are completely different at Providence. Everybody kind of came from the same background, and so it may have been a little bit right. more simple to create create that unit and, and that culture of like, okay, we're together, um, as opposed right. to just having a bunch of people that are completely different and now telling them, okay, you're a family for the next six, seven months. Right. And, and, and how did you go about that? Because I know obviously you were winning there too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, uh, you know, last year I tried to come in and kind of coach the same way I did at Providence um, as far as like getting that chip and the accountability and, you know, you got to come up with something, you know, tell them you got to tell them something they're not doing right so that they can stay focused in and keep that like edge to them. Uh, And I tried to do that. and It didn't work in my first year uh, here. That's not that's not what connected to my guys. What I learned down here that I did differently in my second. So my first year, we were 15 and 13. In my second year, we were 23 and six, and we won district and went to the Sweet 16. So there was a big difference, you know, there too. Um, again, at the end of the day, I, I, great players have made me look like a great. You know, it looked made me look like a good coach, um, but the players have made me have made me look better than what I am, uh, and I think any coach will admit that. But uh, um, what worked with this group uh, down here and, and the approach that we have taken with them. Uh, is is which I enjoy because I get to kind of be more of myself with this is uh, being more encouraging with them, uh, just loving these dudes, you know, just just um, you know, just taking time uh, out of the day just to talk to them uh, and just see, you know, what's going on in their life, how we can be there to support them and help them out a little bit, and it's building more of that uh, just family. We're all in this together. So like our team this year was really together um you know they they were like all about each other they were all about the team it just was really made it really special um so we we didn't have to focus so much on that like um you know we're gonna we're gonna fight and we gotta get that fight to us like we did at providence it was more like we're in this together and nobody's gonna break us apart like like we may not have a whole lot of other stuff but we've got each other and i think me and my wife moving down here from indiana kind of helped me understand that a little bit you know growing up coaching at the school where I coached at my whole life or where I went to school and all that it was easy to be comfortable with that when it was just me and my wife down here then I had to learn too myself you know how to to build that new sense of family and that new sense of belonging and so I was able to do that with these players Um, but the connections that we had off off of the court uh, you know meant a lot more like we found out I was having a baby girl over Christmas break. And when I came back, the team uh, all got in the locker room and with pink silly string and his pink silly string in me in the locker room to congratulate me on it. And, you know, so just that sense of, you know, we've got each other's back. Um, you know, we're going to be there for each other. Built that chemistry uh, and helped us out tremendously throughout the year. 
Man, that's awesome, man. You, you, you uh, bring up some fascinating points, but uh, the common denominator I see here in both, both contexts is humility, trying to find mm-hmm. a way for people to be humble. Even the Bible says pride comes before the fall, so if you, you yeah. stop being humble, I mean, you set yourself self up for failure because you, you just feel like you're all that, and that's when someone's going to come crush you. And so with the Providence yeah. kids that kind of already have that love and have everything is provided for them, you've got to find that fight. And with the kids that may not have all those things, you just got to create a sense of, okay, we're together. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's about relationships, about us, no matter what, nothing can tear us apart. But in both contexts, it's about humility, like finding yeah. that way to be humble and work right. hard and to buy into each other in order to yeah. achieve success and in order to achieve that culture that you want that can win. Am I hearing you right on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, you can't. It's got to be bigger about it's got to be bigger than yourself. Um, it's so easy in life. I'm learning this as I'm getting older. Life is this way. If you make life all about yourself um, and you make basketball all about yourself, uh, then, you know, if you're in a basketball game and you turn the ball over and you're only concerned about yourself and how that made you look and how uh, others might be viewing you then that turnover is going to mean a lot to you and you're going to react to that in a way that it means a lot to you that's not going to look good so you roll your eyes or you pat your head or you blame it on somebody else or whatever it might be but if you're humble if you make it bigger than yourself when you turn the ball over you might feel bad because it may have hurt your team but the overarching goal is okay our goal our number one thing is we want to win as a team we want to win the game so my stats don't matter that turnover doesn't matter i got to get back on defense and make a stop because the most important thing is the team and me doing what's best for the team. So I got to go do whatever the next play is. Life is the exact same way. If you make life about yourself and you make a mistake, it'll seem like the end of the world. But if you make life bigger than what it is, if you're trying to spread uh, the gospel, if you're trying to share Jesus with people, if you're trying to love on people that God uh, asked us to do, uh, and that's your focus, if you make that mistake, then it's not such a big deal because you're like, I still, I still know that that's that mistake's not the bit not the end all be all i still you know i I still need to go make other things happen uh for other people so it takes it really it takes the pressure off yourself you know at the end of the day but but it's got to be bigger uh it's got to be bigger than yourself and so yeah so both of them being humble and making it making it about something bigger than yourself is, is a huge part of uh you know motivating kids and and creating that just that culture of togetherness. Awesome. I think you made some great points here. So realizing it's, it's not about you, even how, you know, Jesus taught us all through the gospels that if you want to lead at the highest level, you first have to be willing to serve at the lowest level and kind of getting kids to buy into each other. And that way that it's not about them. It's not about how many points one person scores and, and the person that gets a defensive stop or takes a charge is just as important as the guy that scores 25, 30 points and gets all, all the attention yeah. from the girls or whatever. Um, <laughs> right, but, right. But, but realizing it's just not about you and it's about the team and, and, and creating that, that sense of it's about being humble in order to be successful and regardless yeah. of what context you're in, whether you're, you're with kids that have, you know, all the monetary things or whether you're in a context with kids that don't, you right. have to end up at that point of I'm going to be humble. I'm going to make this about others and not about me in order right. to develop that culture of success and just a meaningful culture. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we both play basketball. I played basketball a long time, too. And it's like what I remember is the relationships I made, is the friends right. I made, is the jokes we had, and just the you know, long road trips back home where we were just joking, talking about the, you know, the game or whatever. I, 
you know, we don't remember yeah. like all the wins and losses. What we remember is the relationships we build among the, among right. each other, you know. So and that's what yeah. sticks. And yeah, and that's the same, and that's the same thing. Like I said with that Providence group, I get emotional thinking about them and how special that group was. Uh, but it's the same thing. I, you know, I remember the games, but you remember like the conversations maybe you had with the players during the game, or you remember like how they may have handled themselves and showed leadership qualities in the game, or. You know, you remember like bus rides home and those type of things like those are special memories. And I'm sure, you know, and as these groups go through at Fort Myers, you know, it'll be the same thing. I'll, I'll be emotional when I think back on teams that I've had here. You know, I've only been here, you know, two years, but, um, you know, even, you know, a couple of my seniors that I'm losing this year, you know, I've, I've built those relationships with them. And gosh, those mean those mean so much to me. And I know that these kids, they'll be friends for the rest of their lives because because they had that togetherness. And so even from a, a coach's perspective, do you feel like the way you define success is whether or not, all right, I, I was successful as a coach this season. Is it to, to, to you, do you feel like it's more like, all right, I need to be winning games or I need to create that winning culture, that, that positive culture among the team? What, what do you feel like, honestly, yeah. is more important? Obviously, uh, wins keeps your job. And, but right, right. You know, the right culture yeah. automatically really translates success a lot of times. Yeah, it's tough because because coaching, I mean, you have to win or you, you lose your job. I mean, you know, it's plain and simple. Uh, but like we tell our, our guys all the time, winning, winning is just a byproduct. That's the result of something that you're doing. And say, same thing with losing. So you can't focus on winning. You can't focus on losing. If you focus on like approaching every single day to be the best that you can be, um, if you if you focus on that, then the winning will come and the winning will happen. Um, you know, it's kind of we talk about it in games all the time, you know, that we come down the come down the stretch at the end of the game. And if you're like focusing on, all right, we're going to win this game, this possession, like I'm going to, uh, you know, whatever it might be, I'm going to hit the last second shot, this possession, then you probably aren't going to win. But if you focus on, all right, we're going to run this play and we're going to set this screen correctly and we're going to set up our guy off the screen and execute the fundamentals then most likely you'll hit that shot or you'll get the shot that you want. So it's kind of that focus on what comes before the winning or the losing. Um, I've found that just getting kids to focus on that, uh, that mental side of it, uh, you know, is, is it's hard because high school kids don't understand that part of it yet. And I didn't understand it till you know, I started becoming a head coach at 25. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's huge. The, the, Commitment to excellence every single day is comes before winning. Winning is just a byproduct. Okay, great. And so uh, kind of wrapping up our conversation, if you had to give our listeners three fundamentals of developing an encouraging, life-giving, winning culture, yeah. what would those three things be? Can you yeah, write that you know, quickly? The number, the number one thing I would say is make it, make it bigger than yourself. You know, don't, don't – uh, you know, find find that like you said, find that why. You know, don't uh, make your why bigger than yourself. Uh, number two thing is, you know, to know, get to know the people around you. If you want to have a, a winning, encouraging, uh, or a winning environment, um, a culture, then get to know the people around you. Figure out how to reach them. So that means taking a step back and listening to them instead of coming in as a leader and saying, I'm, "We're going to do it this, this, and this way." but taking a step back and hearing their side of the story so you can get to know them and understand them a little bit better. Um, you know, so that, that would be my, my two biggest things is make it bigger than yourself, get to know the people around you. And then the third thing, uh, you know, is just, it kind of goes with getting to know them, just love them, you know, just, just let them know that, 
you know, whether you're trying to get that chip on their shoulder and you're trying to push them that way or whether you're encouraging them and you're trying to build them up, either way you're doing it out of love because you want what's best for them, which, again, goes back to making it bigger than yourself. Great. All right, man. So we learned a ton. So number one, make it bigger than yourself. Number two, get to know the people that you're working with. And number three, love them and make sure they know that you actually care about them. I mean, everybody wants to work for someone or play for someone that they know actually gives a cares about them, you know, beyond the board, beyond their job. So those are some great things, man. Well, uh, thank you very much. Andrew grants for uh, coming on our (laughs) podcast here at redeem the dream and adding value to our listeners. I really appreciate it. And, uh, um, as always, if you'd like to give some feedback, feel free to hit me up via email at Dan at redeem dash the dash dream dot org. And, uh, uh, again, thanks for listening, and thank you, Andrew, for uh, being with us and uh, and sharing your uh, amazing wisdom beyond your years. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. All right, y'all. God bless, and uh, we'll, uh, hey, you, you can hear us soon. You won't see us soon, but you'll hear us soon. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye.